Welcome to the So Powerful Podcast. This is your host, Jan Cancilla. You know the sound of my sewing machine means it's time for another episode. So let's get started. Welcome. Today we are talking with Leslie Unruh, and Leslie has quite the story to tell. Leslie was volunteer or is volunteer number one for So Powerful, and we're going to explore how that came about and some of the other pioneer act, pioneering activities in Leslie's life. Welcome, Leslie. How are you? Oh, thank you, Jan. I'm glad to be here, and uh, it's good to see you again. Well, thank you. You too. Um, why don't you just give us um, a, a little rundown of what all your roles are for So Powerful right now, and then we're going to circle, circle back chronologically. Okay, I'm uh, So Powerful's regional coordinator for Washington State, and I am a purse maker. So that's pretty much uh, what I uh, do. Um, I do like to do uh, teaching, um, and uh, that's kind of one of my passions. And I do that as much as I uh, possibly can for So Powerful. Well, uh, yes, and and boy, you should see the purses she makes. They're they're stunning. Um, I, I want to circle back though and start with your career. You you had a career as a mechanical engineer. Is that correct? That is correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I mean, I just have to ask this: what what on earth made you pick mechanical engineering? That's not a typical choice for a young lady, you know, about to start her her career. Well, it's an interesting story. Um, when I was a junior in high school, my chemistry teacher said to me, uh, I think you should think about going to school at MIT. And I said, what's MIT? I didn't even know. And he said, Massachusetts Institute of Technology. And I said to him, oh, I don't want to go to no technical school. <laughs> and he just laughed and said, well, you look into it. So over the summer of that year, I uh, looked into it, found out it was an engineering school. I'd never even heard of engineering, really. I lived in a really small neighborhood. My dad was a printer and my mom was a nurse. I didn't have any role models, but it was something that I thought, oh, that would be really cool. And I am kind of a mechanical person. I fixed all kinds of things at our house. I fixed the antenna after a hurricane and I fixed the dryer. And so I said, oh, this might be kind of interesting. So I applied early admission, got in, and I became a mechanical engineer. Now, how many women were in your class at MIT in, in mechanical engineering? I was there in the uh, early 1980s, and there was actually a push at that time. So we got up to about 25% women. Um, I think it's kind of circled around that number, but I think that was kind of a, a high point. At least. I honestly don't know now if uh -huh. they're about at the same level, but I imagine that that's the case. Wow. Well, what a stellar education to have graduated from MIT. That's impressive. Um, so you graduate from MIT, and what, what happens? Well, in my senior year, they always told us you should have a practice interview. So fall of senior year, I went into the recruiting area, and I um, looked at all the places that were recruiting for mechanical engineers, and I said, oh, the Boeing company, they make airplanes and stuff like that. And I thought, that would be kind of fun for a practice interview. So I picked up their brochure, read through it, went in to see my interviewer, and uh, I had looked enough at the brochure, 
and I picked out some things that I would tell him that I wanted to do at Boeing. And so we, that was the very first question he asked. And little did I know, the most important thing for him to fill out was what the person was going to do at Boeing. <laughs> so I had that answer right up front for him. And so then we just sat and talked for a while. And then the interviewee after me canceled. And so we talked even more. <laughs> and so um, after that interview, I got a job offer uh, fall of senior year. So I you know, had an opportunity and turns out that was my best offer. And that's what I decided to do, move across country from Massachusetts to Seattle and uh, work for the Boeing company. And you've, you've been in the Seattle area ever since? Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. Wow. So that must have been a big change just coming right out of college from the Northeast to the Northwest part of the United States. Yes. Uh, my uh, husband often jokes they only let uh, someone off of uh, Cape Cod every once every hundred years, and I was the escapee. <laughs> okay. So you have this great career at, at Boeing, and um, I, I'm... I'm, I'm reading your story. Well, and I, I probably should back up and say, we're talking to Leslie because um, the story that she wrote called God Arranged It um, was published in the first edition of the We Are So Powerful book. And Leslie, I don't know if you're aware, but it was also chosen to be in the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book that was just released. So um, we're, we're exploring these stories in more depth. And so that's why we're, we're talking with you today. But um, okay, so you're busy with your job. I mean, it sounds like it was probably a fairly demanding um, career that you had with them being in engineering, right? Yes, I had a lot of really fun opportunities. I, I worked as a rocket scientist. I worked as a cybersecurity specialist. I got to work on lots of really fun uh, projects that were a, a lot of the times pushing the state of the art of technology. Wow. Well, now we know who the brains of So Powerful is, and we're talking to her today. Okay, so you're, you're busy at work, but you're looking for, for friendships with, with other women, but what happened? You, in your story, you said that was hard to find other women to, to sort of meet up with. Well, it was because um, early on in my career, um, you know, the there weren't that many women. And then later on, you know, the women I did know, you know, had families. And so they weren't all that interested in doing something um, outside of work and, and all of that. And uh, we would go to church and we were in a huge church and it was just hard to find the right uh, community to um, uh, that we could touch base with and kind of be involved in and we tried classes we tried this we tried that and you know that just was hard to find uh, the right community until I found um, this one opportunity that the church was having what they called a craft day and I was just uh, thrilled to be able to go. Uh, my husband had just bought me a brand new sewing machine that year. And so I had this sewing machine with all kinds of great new features on it. And I was just like, oh, I really want to go uh, to that craft day. And that really changed my life. It was a huge turning point in my life. Well, that, that is very cool. So um, from that craft day, you, you sort of, I, it sounds like you joined a group that maybe splintered off from that or were they existing and you joined them? Uh, they had another, a few of those ladies had a quilting group and I had been invited to join that. Um, and right from the time of that craft day, and it took me a few more years before I finally did do that. And, uh, oh, and 
it became even more of a, of a personal uh, connection. I mean, I was involved with the ladies who were doing the craft day and we had been starting a quilting ministry at church, but I hadn't gotten involved with this uh, uh, other quilting group. Um, but as soon as I did, it was just like 20 wonderful Christian women that would get together at least once a month um, and share and uh, with our love of quilting, but then also share our lives with each other. And once a year, we would go on a quilting retreat. And it was just a really, uh, it, it really is, I shouldn't say was, but it is a really blessed community. Now, the name of this this group is so clever. Tell, tell us your name. Ah, well, it, it's Quilting Together Sisters. And the uh, acronym for that is QTS. So we also call ourselves the cuties. <laughs> and uh, so it's a fun term. Uh, oh, one of our uh, ladies came up with that. And it was, we all thought it was really fun. Well, and as we're recording this, we're sort of still in the middle of the, the COVID situation. So what did the cuties do for a quilting retreat in 2020? Uh, we did a virtual retreat, um, which uh, turned out to be, uh, for me anyway, I told my husband, uh, this entire week I'm going to be quilting. So you have to pretend like um, I'm at my quilting retreat and I will come down and make you dinners, but then I expect that I'm going to go right back upstairs and sew to midnight. <laughs> So we did have a couple of Zoom meetings, uh, so we were able to do show and tells. We always have challenges, and so we did what we call reveals for our challenges. And we had a Zoom meeting for our business meeting where we decide what we're going to do for the next year. Um, and uh, we were doing a chair. Ch one of the charity projects this year were, were blocks for Quilt of Valor. So we always do something fun like that as well. How nice, how nice. So it's through, was it through the cuties that you heard of So Powerful? Yes, it was. Uh, so one tell of, us uh, that story. Yes, one of my um, favorite friends uh, in the cuties, uh, Barb, she is a great, was a great doll clothes maker. And she had um, been making some of cinnamons uh, for profit uh, patterns uh, for dolls and kind of got me interested in that as well. But um, uh, one time she brought, uh, had heard about So Powerful and she brought that charity to the notice of the uh, QTs and some of us made, or you know, heard about it and, and all of that. So that year, I think that was in the fall, she mentioned that and I thought, oh, that'll be a fun project for uh, me to do with my mom and sister. And so what it, it's, you went back home to Cape Cod over the Christmas, right? Mm -hmm. and, and mom and I, I said, mom, Barb, let's sit down and let's make one of these purses uh, for uh, So Powerful. And so we actually followed along on the video uh, and made uh, the purses. Uh, my mom, uh, she's, you know, in her 80s, so she would do a lot of the pinning and sometimes a little basting here and there. And, you know, we do a little of the sewing on the machines so on her purse and all of that. And uh, so my mom and I actually finished ours. My sister still has a few st stitches to do on hers, so someday <laughs> it's going to show up. <laughs> all right. Well, well, that's cool. So um, and we're going to circle back to this or, or come back to this part, but the note cards played a, an important part in what you did that Christmas, right? Yes, because um, uh, after we finished the purses, you know, we were uh, reading the rest of the pattern and it says to write this note card and the, you know, the note cards right there in the pattern. And so mom and I were so like, what do we 
write on the note card, you know, I hadn't been involved for so powerful. And, and so we were like, oh, I think I'll just write something fun. And then, oh, do we sign our names? Oh, I don't think we should do that. Um, I think I'm just gonna say Auburn, Washington, you know, where I'm from. And uh, so that's what we did. And we didn't put our names down and we just, you know, uh, wrote a fun verse. And I think I put a few hearts on it or something like that and put it in the purse, put the $5 in the purse and we mailed them off. Okay. And we know that's a no-no now, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> but that was then. This is now. Okay. All right. So Christmas break is over. You go back to work and what happens? Well, um, that was 2014. Um, I had another uh, year of work. And uh, in 2016, I decided to uh, retire from uh, Boeing after uh, over 32 years of service. And then I'm trying to decide, well, what am I going to do now? And I'm like, I want to help out working with So Powerful. Um, and, and you happen to live in the hometown where So Powerful is based. Is that right? Yes. That was one of the reasons that I wanted to do that, along with the fact that, you know, So Powerful is, uh, in, you know, uh, enabling uh, girls to get their education, because education, in my mind, is very important uh, for young women uh, to be successful in the world. And, um, uh, and, it, and also that it had to do with sewing and that they were in my hometown. And I'm like, you know, I don't know that God could have made a more perfect ministry for me. <laughs> He's like hitting you over the head with all of these things. So powerful, so powerful. Okay, so I think this next part is really, this really intrigues me. So you call Jason and Cinnamon and, and you make an appointment to come be interviewed because you've had such a su success with interviewing. I mean, you had one interview in your life, right? When you were in college, there's your second interview. You're going to go talk to Jason and Cinnamon. And, and um, in your story, you tell us how you got all dressed up. I mean, what was your thought process when you were getting ready to, to go over there? Well, I was like, well, I need to make an impression. So I had sewed up a bunch of purses um, with my uh, best sewing skills. I think I had one that was um, uh, designed as a Seahawks purse, you know, one of the local sports teams, which I just kind of did for fun. And then um, some, uh, you know, which were really uh, well sewn and, you know, put together and just, you know, some examples of uh, my capabilities. I felt I needed a portfolio <laughs> of uh, purses. And then I, you know, dressed up. I had my, uh, not a briefcase, but a little portfolio of some notes and some things like that. I had a resume uh, and, uh, you know, was like, uh, you know, this is going to be a very professional situation and I should treat it as such. And, and so give us a, a quick recap of, of what that meeting was like. Well, um, I didn't know it then, but if any of you have met Cinnamon and Jason, you know that they are a very casual con uh, group of uh, or a couple of people. And, and so, you know, come to find out at the time, they didn't know, really know what to make of me. Um, and uh, so uh, I think Cinnamon did uh, take a look at my purses. She opened them up and I was like, oh, she's checking out the seams and seeing if they're straight and uh, really examining my work. Um, uh, but I think she was just being polite and all that. But they were just um, uh, thrilled uh, to, to see me. And uh, I remember at the end of the interview, uh, Jason said, well, you're an answer to prayer. 
So and that's how you became volunteer number one. I believe it is. Yes, right. it is. With sample purses, a resume, and your your work attire. Okay, well, why don't we take a quick break here? And when we come back, we're going to explore what Leslie has done to uh, really shape the way So Powerful and the volunteers as So Powerful make their contribution. So uh, we'll, we'll see you on the other side. Have you gotten the second edition of the We Are So Powerful book? This updated version of the original bestseller, 4.9 out of 5 stars, by the way, is again authored by So Powerful co-founders Jason and Cinnamon Miles. It is available on Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle reader. This latest edition is packed full of moving stories about how So Powerful came to be, the volunteers who make it happen, and the way this small movement has grown into a global mission to break the cycle of poverty through education and the dignity of work. And don't forget, when you place your order, if you use smile.amazon.com and designate So Powerful as your preferred charity, Amazon will donate a portion of your purchase right back to So Powerful. And now back to our podcast. Welcome back. We have been talking with Leslie Unruh, who is volunteer number one with So Powerful. Leslie has uh, shared with us the story of her intriguing career and, and her educational background and how she came to find So, so Powerful and um, sort of drop in on, well, I guess you had an appointment. You didn't drop in on Jason and Cinnamon. You had a, a formal business appointment with Jason and Cinnamon. Um, and, and so that was in what year? That was in 2017 that you... Actually, 2016. 2016. So uh, what kind of work were you doing as a volunteer for So Powerful? Well, it started out, one of my interests was in teaching the uh, So Powerful uh, purse making class. And so I, um, and at this time, we only had the advanced pattern. Uh, so uh, the, I tried teaching in a couple of different uh ways. Um, uh, at the time, uh, we held, tried holding some classes at the um, shop that Cinnamon and Jason were using uh, to run their business out of. Um, and uh, that didn't work so well. Um, most of the people who came were my quilting friends. <laughs> and uh, it just, we couldn't necessarily attract, uh, it seemed like, very many uh, local people. Um, I think So Powerful was more uh, people were interested in doing, you know, that sewing in their homes. Um, eventually, uh, I have um, created some interest in local shops. So I've taught um, at several of the local shops. And uh, once we get over this um, uh, COVID uh, pandemic, uh, we'll be trying to set up some more classes in more shops. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so uh, I love to provide, you know, go to a, a class and provide the kits and, you know, just help people through perhaps sewing their first purse um, so that then they can go and home and sew more purses uh, uh, themselves and, you know, maybe multiply and, and show their friends. And then, you know, the, the ministry just keep can keep growing in, in that way. So that was one of the uh, things that um, I really uh, definitely love doing. 
Uh, the other you had you had sort of a light bulb moment too when when you thought, oh, I know a, a way to reach even more people. Well, I thought that um, Cinnamon and Jason should consider um, uh, having a booth at the Sewing and Stitchery Expo, which is one of the, well, I believe it is the largest consumer sewing show, and it's held right here in the local area in Puyallup, Washington. And uh, so I was trying to get them to consider uh, having a booth there, uh, because we could reach 40,000 seamstresses uh, <laughs> in uh, that show. And, and so you, you did that the first year. What was your first year to do that? Well, in 2017, we started out and um, uh, we split a booth, actually, between Cinnamon's for-profit business, um, uh, Pixie Fair, where she sells doll clothes patterns, and So Powerful. And we found that to be um, a little... Uh, confusing for people um, that uh, they really kind of didn't understand, you know, what was what and, and all of that. It was uh, maybe a little bit more uh, doll clothes oriented than it was the So Powerful Purse orientation. So then the next year in 2018, we had a really African themed booth. Uh, we had kind of a grass hut um, and Jason had um, a woman, Ruth, from her church who was from Africa and she came dressed in African uh, clothes and uh, all of that. Uh, and so that was kind of a, an exciting part of it and we were really able to catch I think people's attention uh, more so uh, that second year. But that's what it's all about is learning as you go and what works uh, uh, for your particular uh, situation. And then you attended, that, so that was 2018. Um, I met you in 2018 when you came to Houston for the Houston Quilt Festival, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah, so after that year, I think Jason said, I now realize this is our target audience. <laughs> These are the ladies that sew and that have fabric. We really need to do more of this. So that particular year, um, in the fall, uh, they were comfortable with going to the Santa Clara Quilt Show. So we did that, I believe, in October. And I had been to Houston, and after we had uh, been doing the Sewing and Stitchery Expo, I said, the real show you need to get to is Houston, because that's the largest quilting show in the country. That one and Paducah uh, would be two that I think you should have on your list, because you would really get a lot of ladies there. Mm -hmm. So they were adventurous enough, and we got into Houston, and so that was the first year we did the Houston Quilt Show. Yeah, so so the rest is history. I. Um, had we not had COVID, I think we were going to be at about 20 different quilt shows this year. Some have been canceled at, as we speak right now. Some are still on the books. We, we probably want to back up, though, because in 2017, uh, sort of an unusual um, request from Jason came your way, right? Yes. Um, you know, I had not been thinking that I would go to Zambia. It was not really on my... Um, uh, at the time, it wasn't really on my heart that I really wanted to go to Africa. Um, and, uh, and so I was just, I mean, even though in 2016, I followed the, the group that had gone to Africa, and I was just like, why aren't they posting more pictures? I want to know what's going on. <laughs> but um, I didn't think it was really, you know, for me. And so um, I was just going to not be involved in that. And then Jason asked if I would come up with a project 
to work with the seamstresses in Zambia on. And, uh, you know, they were thinking they could just take it. I, I, you know, I could create it and they would take it and Cinnamon would work with them. But then I was starting to think, well, maybe I should go to help them uh, do this. And so we worked on a project to make um, zippered pouches for the, um, uh, um, Oh, I'm sorry, just skipped my mind. The angels that support um, uh, So Powerful mm -hmm. and Atelier Angels. And um, I did the, a little embroidery of that logo and then we made a zippered pouch um, and included the embroidery part into the zippered pouch. So I taught them how to make a pouch and how to do French seams and, and all of that. And it was um, a lot of fun. And uh, I uh, asked my husband to go with us uh, so that he could go and be a part of this experience and be, you know, aware of what was going on uh, was so powerful so that he would, you know, have, have that experience along with me. And so um, you, you went, you had a, a, a very productive time. Day five of that trip was the purse distribution day and something really remarkable happened. You want to give us, give us the lowdown on that? Yes, we were taking a rickety bus ride out to the Pacacelli School. Um, this was um, not a school, well, it's still a Nombe compound, but it wasn't, you know, doing it right there at the Needs Care School. So we were, they were starting to branch out to the other 13 or so schools that they're uh, supporting in Nombe compound. And so we were going to the school and uh, we arrive uh, at the school and uh, Cinnamon and Esther start putting, pulling the purses out of the boxes of purses that we um, are providing, and they're laying them all out on the table. And we were asked to bring purses as well to Zambia that we had sewed that year so that we knew that we would have some purses to give directly to the girls um, uh, and so that we could talk to some of the girls who would receive our purses. Um, and so we had some of our own that we had brought that were also being put out on the table. And, but then they had many more that were in these boxes that they were pulling out uh, that had been loaded up with all the supplies uh, that we put inside the purses. And I look over at the table and right in the center of the table of one of the one, you know, area where they pulled things out of the boxes was that very first purse I made. I was just like, I can't believe it. That's my first purse. <laughs> and I saw it there and it was a distinctive fabric. Um, uh, it was a fabric my mom had used uh, for the back of a quilt and she had some extras and I'd made the purse out of it because it was just so pretty. It had flowers and butterflies and was really bright and vibrant. So it was so easy to pick out. Mm -hmm. I looked around for my mom's purse too and I didn't see that, but I saw my purse. I was just like, God arranged my purse to be there mm -hmm. when I was there for a purse distribution. It was just like so cool. And, and what is the name of the young lady, do you remember, who picked your purse? Imelda. Um, she picked out the purse, um, uh, and, uh, and uh, it was like, oh, as soon as the distribution is over and all the girls get their purses, I'm going to run over and tell her that I made that purse. <laughs> but what happened? Well, she got the purse, and before all the other girls are done uh, getting their purses, you know, the very first thing they do is they pull out the note card uh -huh. because, you know, that's kind of what they, they want to see who made their purse. Um, what did they say to them? And they want to compare with the girl that's next to them and say, what did yours say? What did yours say? You know, and so all the other girls are getting their purses and, and so you're pulling out the note. And so she gets the note card and I see her looking at the note card and, and then she kind of sticks it back in the purse. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so, then, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Tell keep keep going. And uh, so finally, the purse distribution is over, and I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm going to go over and uh, see the girl who got my purse. But she makes like a beeline for cinnamon, <laughs> and I don't know how she knew this, but the girl says to cinnamon, this purse came from Auburn, Washington. Do you know who made this purse? You have to know it's from Auburn. And Cinnamon says, oh, well, I don't really know if I know. But just as I, as she was saying that, I came up to her and, uh, and said, to Cinnamon, said to her, oh, I made that purse. It was my very first purse. <laughs> and so I got to meet her. And then she says to me, please, will you sign my note card? I want to have your name. And so I felt like a rock star. <laughs> and here I go, I go autographing uh, my little note card that I had made for her with my name so that she would know who made the purse for her. Oh, and you know, that's, that's sort of an interesting um, thought for us as we do make write our note cards that the girls do want to know specifically who was the one that spent you know their time and their their fabric to make something such a gift of love well you conclude your story by talking about um the surprising way that this this exchange touched your touched your heart can can you talk about that a little bit yes um i at the time uh was um thinking well you know, oh, that's really kind of nice that she wants to know my name and uh, put it on there. And then I was like, well, I had always thought here, you know, we're the ones, the purse makers that are doing all the giving in this exchange. And um, we uh, are making the purses and we're sending them and, and all the effort is on our side, on the giving side. But I believe that the reason that she wanted to know my name was that so she could pray for me because that was the one thing that she can give back to me. And so it isn't really a one-way transaction. It really is, I believe, a two-way transaction. And she's giving what she can uh, back to us. And so I believe I am the recipient of many, many, many prayers that these little Zambian angels are sending up to heaven on my behalf for the gratitude of making the purse for them. And so I really feel very blessed and I just get such great joy out of making those purses. And I, it's just humbling to me to know that they're praying for all these purse makers across the world. Well, Leslie, thank you so much for sharing your inspirational story and um, I, I think you've really given us a new perspective on what it does mean to make a purse. So thank you very much. We'll talk to you soon and um, stay safe and well. Well, thank you very much. And uh, I've been my pleasure to do this and I uh, just wish you God's blessing, Jan. Thank you and same to you. Bye-bye. Bye. If what you've heard today inspires you to want to make a difference, I urge you to explore the So Powerful website at www.sopowerful.org. That's S-E-W-P-O-W-E-R-F-U-L dot O-R-G. The website has great information about the organization. It's where you can download the free purse patterns or even make a donation. We hope you will join us again next week when we bring you another So Powerful story. Thanks for listening. Now, Go out and have a so powerful day.